0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Bellwether Hub. Today on the docket, I'm uh, very excited. We always, at least one of the things that I'm always interested in is is productivity. But generally, when I talk about productivity or when I you know wax poetic about productivity, it's all about getting things done and, and really the tactical focus of how to get things off of your to-do list. But today I have a guest who has a very different spin on productivity um, and the sense of what your environment, your, your physical environment and, and health and everything else, how all of this will impact your productivity. And, and I was talking to him and I've known him for a while. He, he's, uh, based up in Ithaca, New York. He, he knows a lot about all this random crap that people tend to just ignore, um, and, and when I heard a lot about it, to be fair, I was like, this is kind of, you know, this is a little bit hippie mumbo jumbo. But then he's also got the science to prove it. And then I was like, wow, this is actually really, this is really interesting. And and I really thought about it from, from the perspective of people working from home, entrepreneurs, uh, how the office, how you can change it for the people that work for you uh, in terms of, of generating productivity. So there's a lot of really good information in this episode, and I'm, I'm very excited to just get into it. So. With that, I'd like to uh, welcome Nathan Waltz. Nathan, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Hey, happy to be here, Jim. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Uh, My pleasure. So let's talk a little bit, tell everybody a little bit about you, what you do, what you work on, and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, so I spent 20 years in corporate America, and the way I got into doing what I do today is I had a bit of a health crisis myself. So about 10 years into my career, I started noticing my energy wasn't quite what it used to be. And in the beginning, this was occasional, and over time, it became kind of my new normal. And my sleep wasn't good. I had indigestion. I was dealing with chronic back and shoulder pain. And then I started having some anxiety and depression. And actually, at the time when it was happening, I didn't realize I had depression because I had never been depressed before. But uh, in hindsight and kind of just from experiencing it, I realized I was dealing with some depression, and then I had some brain fog. And when you start to deal with things like that, it can really have an impact on your productivity. And I would go to my doctor every every year or so and just be like, hey doc, what's up? I'm not feeling right, I'm just tired, I'm dragging. And he would always chalk it up to stress and working too hard and me getting older. Now the first two were were true. I did have (laughs) a lot of stress, I was a hard worker, but I was in my mid thirties, Jim, when I was kind of dragging and just, I'm dealing with all this stuff. And the main thing is I just, I felt off. I just didn't feel right. And every year the same thing would happen. He'd test my blood. He's like, everything's in the normal range. And then about 10 years into it, I got recommended to an integrative medicine doctor that tested me for everything. So if you don't know what integrative medicine is, it's kind of like your general practitioner, but he also tests your hormones, your vitamins. All the
0: good stuff. Your poop. Nice. All right. Hardcore.
1: So this guy sat down with me for an hour. He asked me all these questions. And uh, at the end of our conversation, he's like, Nathan, I think you have Lyme disease. I was like, Lyme disease? The only thing I knew about it is that you get it from ticks. And I I never found a tick on me. So I was just like, there's no way. When my test came back, I found out I had Lyme disease. I had Candida, which is a fungal overgrowth in your intestines. I had mercury toxicity. My hormones were like in the toilet. And you
0: were a walking calamity, man.
1: I was. I was actually kind of happy when I found out because, you know, this had been going on for so many years and my doctor was telling me like, I'm fine. I'm just getting older. I was starting to think like, hey, maybe I'm getting older. B, maybe it's in my head. So now I'm like, okay, great. I know what's wrong with me. I can address it. I can fix it. So the doctor put me on a whole bunch of antibiotics for the Lyme, put me on a bunch of supplements for my low vitamins and hormones. And I figured, you know, in a month or two, I'd be back to normal and, Everything would be awesome, but my health just continued to decline. So this went on for about 13 months. I ended up finding a guy by the name of Dr. Jack Cruz, who's a neurosurgeon. He became my mentor. I was able to completely turn my health around over that next year or so. And so to really kind of answer your question, what do I do? I ended up leaving my corporate job because I really enjoyed my journey of turning my health around I really kind of geeked out on all the health stuff, all the science behind it. So I decided to leave my job and become a coach for other people that were having the same problems I was. So helping people increase their energy, their drive, their motivation. I also do uh, corporate speaking as well at different health events and things like that.
0: Great. So now, when you talk about helping other people, I feel like your story is, is going to resonate with a lot of people because you're sitting there. A lot of the people listening to this are in their 30s. Uh, I remember being in my 30s, being miserable at work. Uh, maybe you're hungover. Maybe you are just had a rough weekend. It takes you till Wednesday to really get back in the swing of things. And then by Thursday, you're really thinking about the next weekend. You're like, oh, I don't have to be here. And how many meetings am I sitting in? And A lot of times we think it's really just in our head. So what was the balance or what was the key thing for you? I mean, going to a neurosurgeon makes it sound like it was more mind rather than you know, the physical problems that you had. How much of a balance was that for you?
1: Yeah, well, just to clarify, Jim, I didn't go to this neurosurgeon. He has a blog on the internet. So I had been up for months on end, just Googling, trying to figure out how to get better. So I kind of I got to a point where I'm just like, this doctor doesn't really know what he's doing. He's just throwing these different antibiotics, hoping to kill the Lyme, but it's just making it worse. So I just was Googling, Googling like crazy. I was trying different things.
0: You became your own doctor.
1: I became my own doctor. And that's really number one in healing. You, you need to take the responsibility and have the have the realization that your health is your responsibility, not your doctor, not anybody else.
0: Which is not um, a, a small statement to make, right? Because a lot of times the way that we operate today is that everything's kind of handed to us on a silver platter. You want entertainment, you hit Netflix. You want this, you hit that. You you want some whatever you want to eat, you can order it on your phone and it's at your place in 10 minutes. And you hear a lot about, especially with, with the medical industry, um, they're, they're trained to fix problems, not necessarily to keep you healthy, right? So when you're sick, they just find to kill a disease, but not necessarily to keep you healthy. And they're not necessarily trained for that. What do you think about just the healthcare industry in general and and where your responsibility as an individual? Because when I go to a doctor, if I say, oh, I think, you know, you go online, you say, you know, I have a tick in my right arm and like, you're like, oh my God, I got cancer, right? So, I mean, Googling information isn't necessarily the right answer as well. So what, how, how can you tell someone, you know, what's the appropriate way to kind of take control for yourself?
1: Yeah, that's it, a really good question. There's not a simple answer. So, so number one, there is a delicate balance between spending too much on Google, stressing yourself out, reading the wrong information and actually taking action and doing things and figuring out what you need to do to get yourself healthy. So I'll, I'll just share some of the key points For health. So and also you asked about, you know, medicine. You made a couple comments about modern medicine. Modern medicine treats symptoms. Yeah. So you go to the doctor, you say, I have a headache. They're like, take this, call me in the morning. So you take an aspirin or whatever, it treats a headache, but usually you don't have a headache because of the headache. There's an underlying cause. So it's really finding and addressing that underlying cause. And if you go to, you know, let's let's say you're having depression. You go to a psychologist, they give you a drug for, for your depression. But the really interesting thing about depression is most people that are depressed, it's not because of some horrible event in their life. It's because of a neurotransmitter imbalance. Okay, So it's really addressing these imbalances in your body, bringing things back into harmony. And and so that's things to do.
0: That's not something you could figure out right away. That's something I feel like that takes time and practice and you're pulling something out of your diet and reintroducing it or you're, you're changing your experiences and, and thinking about things differently or speaking to a coach or speaking to a therapist. You know, all of these things combined, it's going to take time.
1: You're right. And it's actually simple, simpler than you think. So, A, it's going to take time. So, you made some comments. Or, you know, we have this instant gratification society. We can go to, go to Amazon, order something. The next day or two, it's at our doorstep. So with health, it does take some time. You're going to have to have some patience. It's simple, but not necessarily easy. So some of the key things are reconnecting with nature. So the essence of what I learned from this guy, Dr. Jack Cruz, is that we have to reconnect with nature. So what do I, what do I mean by that? Spending more time outside. So we spend 80 to 90% of our lives indoors. And the thing that's super unhealthy about that, one of the reasons that I got sick, I didn't get sick because of Lyme disease. I got sick because my immune system was en- unable to fight off this bacteria in my body, which a lot of us, I believe, have. But our immune system keeps it at bay. But here's the thing. We work inside all day. We're under light. That light has a frequency. That frequ- frequency of light, it's in the blue light range.
0: So I want to I want to pause on this because I know you're going to go through like a whole bunch of stuff. And, and in preparation for talking to you, I looked up this blue light stuff. Oh, cool uh certainly not an expert which is why you're here um blue light is bad yes
1: it depends on the context blue light from an artificial source is bad blue light from the sun is not bad
0: now i read and i guess more research is coming up now like people could take vitamin d pills because they're not in the sun but it doesn't really work because the sun gives you more than just vitamin d Talk to me about you know the actual impact of light and the way that you receive light is not just you know tanning. It goes through your brain. It goes through your eyeballs. It goes through your skin. It goes through all kinds of stuff. Um, talk to me about light.
1: Light, yes. Yeah. So, so light from the sun. You mentioned vitamin D. So we have research that shows taking a vitamin D supplement is not the same as making vitamin D from the sun. It's kind of like hiring somebody to do your push-ups for you. Are you going to get get ripped that way?
0: We could pretend. It would be nice, <laughs> wouldn't it?
1: It would be nice. <laughs> but here's the deal. So, so when you go outside, one of the things you make from light is vitamin D. Let's go back to the thing I was saying about depression before. Another thing you make is dopamine and serotonin. So ang- things like anxiety and depression have exploded today, and it's affecting more and more people at younger and younger ages. And the reason is is because we're not spending time outside. So when you go outside and when you watch the sunrise in the morning, that blue light from the sun, it's shifting. So the color temperature from the sun is always changing. Your brain can signal that, and that's a signal, that's a cue to your brain to release hormones.
0: That's a big statement. So what I'm hearing, tell me if this is true, one of the potential you know, supporters or cures for anxiety and depression is watching the sunrise in the morning, getting outside and watching the sunrise in the
1: morning. Oh, 100%. Because that's going to help optimize your hormones. Now, about 30 minutes after the sun rises, UVA light enters the spectrum. Now, UVA light, it goes in your eye. It makes two very important neurotransmitters that I just mentioned. Dopamine, which we need for drive and motivation and for good thinking. So to be able to see trends, that's driven by dopamine. Dopamine is what makes us human and separates us from chimps and monkeys. Gives us the ability to, to reason, think, have logic, things like that serotonin also is made from frequencies of sunlight you need serotonin to be happy you also need serotonin and dopamine to be balanced because serotonin is is the is the break for dopamine so dopamine drives us to do things serotonin tells us when we've had enough
0: and this is driven by mostly by
1: light this is driven by light because what controls everything i'm talking about the circadian rhythm. So the the Nobel Prize in Medicine was awarded for circadian rhythm in 2017. So we've known about it for a while, but it's circadian finally getting ryth- some recognition.
0: It's a sleep cycle. Yes or no? Well, I guess no. It's the day cycle, right?
1: That's part of it. So your circadian rhythm, it controls your, your growth. So what is growth? Our body is continually regenerating cells, whether it's our muscle cells, our skin cells, our tendon, or bone. That's growth. That's controlled by your circadian rhythm. When you're healthy, you're always regenerating. When you don't have that regeneration, you get an injury or you get a rotator cuff tear or meniscus tear, that stuff's exploding because people are having these injuries. Their body is not doing the growth that it should be because their circadian rhythm is broken. It controls metabolism. Metabolism is converting food to energy. So you eat food, body breaks it down, it makes ATP, which is energy. When you don't do that well, guess what? You get fat. Um, metabolic diseases are things like cancer, heart disease, stroke, diabetes. These are exploding when your circadian rhythm breaks. These are some of the things that break.
0: So sunlight will change your life and in essence, right? That's what we really need is just more sunlight.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, is this part of, now, does it, you say when the sun rise, is this why people who wake up early, you know, everyone gives the advice to wake up early. Uh, early risers are the, you know, the early bird gets the worm and they're the best people to work with and they're more productive. Does that have something to do with light?
1: Well, it, it has something to do with the fact that their circadian rhythm is in sync because when it's in sync, you naturally get up with the sunrise. You know, so, so you have, and in, some of your hormones like cortisol are, are anticipatory. So when you're in sync, you actually wake up before the sunrise because your cortisol knows when the sunrise is going to happen. It gives you that nudge to wake up. If you wake up early, typically you go to bed earlier too. Now a key to healthy brain function is adequate sleep. And when you the timing of sleep is very important. So eight hours of sleep from 12 to 8 is not the same as from 10 to 6. Because your body, this, your circadian rhythm comes into play here. So when you go to bed earlier, your body is able to detoxify more, to do more brain maintenance, to do all the things your body needs it to do so you can stay healthy.
0: So when we talk about health and we talk about, you know, I did a, a podcast just on, you know, physical wellness. It's your, your fitness, your, your sleep, and your diet. But they're not all the same, I guess. So you can focus on getting eight hours of sleep. But if you're getting the wrong sleep or the wrong time of sleep, it's kind of irrelevant. Is that what you're saying?
1: What I'm saying is it's not having the same impact. You're not getting... so. You might be in bed for eight hours, but maybe you're getting six hours worth of sleep. And it's not that exactly. But if you want to get your full eight hours worth of sleep, the earlier you can, you can go to bed in sync with the sun and get up, the more effective, the more efficient that sleep is going to be. Does that make sense?
0: It does. So if we want to get you know specific to worshiping our sun god in the morning we shouldn't necessarily be focused on oh i need to get more sleep or we shouldn't be focused on oh i can't eat this i can't eat that we should be focused on getting into a circadian rhythm is that part of is that kind of changing the the conversation a little bit to saying if i'm focused on circadian rhythm sleep supports that diet supports that but my ultimate focus is circadian rhythm for productivity is that where people should be putting their attention to and what else could impact it besides just sunlight in the morning
1: yeah, well, I, I would say if you had to choose two, I would, I would always choose circadian rhythm over food every time. Hmm. So, for example, you can be eating the best diet in the world, but if your circadian rhythm is off. So, for example, blue light at night from your computer, if you're up work up late doing some work, that can actually make you insulin resistant. So what does that mean? That sets you up for diabetes. So you can eat a very healthy diet, not a lot of processed foods. But you're up late every night. Over time, you become insulin resistant. Next thing you know, you're diabetic.
0: Is this because the blue light that we get from our phones makes us think that it's the morning?
1: It sends a signal to your brain that the sun is still out. Hmm. So that blue light—the frequencies of blue light—are what control the circadian rhythm in your brain.
0: This is fascinating. So, all right. So, talk to me more about blue light.
1: So the reason. so, So. Let me say why blue light indoors or artificial blue light is so bad. Because it's a static frequency. So there's a thing called color temperature, which is the amount of blue light in color. So, for example, in the morning at sunrise, the color temperature is 1,800 Kelvin. And that color temperature is shifting. And your brain, your body has blue light detectors in your eyes, on your skin. It can detect that. That sets the clock in your brain, okay? When you're inside, when you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is you look at your phone, that color temperature is 6,000 Kelvin. It's the same color temperature as the sun at noon. So your brain thinks it's noon all of a sudden. You're indoors all day, you're under artificial lights, LEDs and fluorescence, same thing. Average color temperature about 6,000 Kelvin. So you have that static color temperature, your circadian rhythm gets thrown out of alignment. And over time, that has an impact on your focus, your concentration, your energy levels. It, it's inflammatory, it's very bad for your eyes. And when you look at, you know, there's, Jim, I'll send you a a slide. I don't don't know if you can include uh, images in your podcast or not, but for one of the corporate presentations I do, I have a slide. It's all headlines related to blue light. Talks how blue light increases risk for cancer, increases risk for macular degeneration, which is the number one cause for blindness today, increases your risk for suicide but I've got probably 30 different headlines on this. Most so, of them are from medical journals. So
0: A lot of this then could quickly go into like conspiracy theory type of conversations. But why is it then, you know, so, so you go to the office, it's got fluorescent lights. You go to the subway, it's got fluorescent lights or LEDs or whatever it is. You're not going to get rid of it. Due to the major health, I mean, is this, I don't even know really the question to ask. Is it, you know, I imagine you would say that this is a health crisis, a public health crisis in terms of the fact that we use fluorescent lights and led lights.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a huge contributor to a lot of what's going on with people's health today.
0: Now we can't change the fact that they're there. Right. So, right. So how do you, so for people listening saying, uh, you know, my boss could kiss my ass. I'm not coming to the office because of the blue light. Uh, the boss is going to say you're fired. So, what can people do then? What yeah. practically can people do in order to, to combat that?
1: 100%. So before you go in the office, watch the sunrise. That's going to set your circadian rhythm. So if it's the summertime, it's super hot, crack your window a little bit. That's going to get the full spectrum of light in your car. Same within the winter if it's cold. Okay? When you're in the office, they sell glasses. I'm wearing them right now. That actually filter out blue light. So you can't tell, but there's a pigment in the lens of this glass. They're called blue tech lenses. So these are prescription glasses, but you can also buy, and I can give you a link if you like for your sure. listeners, yeah. you can buy non-prescription lenses in nice styles so you don't look like a, a complete dork. Yeah, you look like but, normal. Because <laughs> a lot of the blue blockers <laughs> sold today, they're, they're pretty dorky. But during the day, you want to wear either a yellow or a clear lens. This filters out about 40 to 50% of, of blue light. So now I'm getting a more balanced spectrum. The other thing is you want to take breaks throughout your day and get outside, and get that natural light in your eyes. So ditch your sunglasses. Unless you need them for safety because you're driving, and the sun's in your face, you want to stop wearing sunglasses because you want that full spectrum of light going in your eye.
0: What about people with blue eyes? Eye. I've got blue eyes, man. There's no way I'm going without sunglasses. can't see. You it can't hurts. see?
1: Because you, you, well, Jim, I, I hate to break this to you. <laughs> Do you know what that's... I have blue eyes too. Guess what? That's a sign that you make dopamine in your eyes. Remember I told you that? Yeah. When you're sensitive to the sun that's a sign that you have lower dopamine levels in your eyes so guess what guess what you do you suck it up for a little while maybe the first day you do five minutes the next day you do 10 minutes
0: you sound like my wife suck it up for a little while yeah with it
1: with within two weeks I've seen people do this within two weeks they're completely comfortable being outside on a sunny day and it doesn't bother them because you can build those levels up pretty quick so and you don't have to go out for long so during your during your work day And you wanna get up too, because most people have heard sitting is a new smoking. The reason is, is because anytime you sit for an hour or longer, you have kind of a huge shutdown in your circulation in your body. You have an increase because it turns off some enzymes that actually um, eat up fat in your body. So what does that do? That shuts down your energy. So you wanna be getting up at least once every hour anyway, so you can keep your circulation going, so you can keep your energy up. So just go outside, do like a quick lap around your building If you you do that three to four times a day, it's going to make a huge difference in your productivity. Next, have walking meetings. So when you have a smaller meeting with someone, be like, hey, let's go for a walk. And guess what? You're going to be getting that natural light in your eyes. It's going to increase your dopamine. What's that going to do? It's going to increase your creativity. You're going to have a more productive meeting.
0: Now, could you buy different lights? So I'm thinking now of people working from home. Could you buy different lights for your home?
1: Yeah, you want to you want to get rid of LED. LED lights are the worst. The, from the frequency, And they're the most available. Everyone's pushing them. I, I get emails from my power company all the time, like, hey, you know, we'll give you discounts on, on LED lights. And everyone's pushing it for energy efficiency. I love the planet. I want to save the planet, but not at the expense of my health. So get rid of LED lights, get rid of fluorescent lights. Go back to incandescent light bulbs. So back if you work in an office, you have zero control over lighting. Get a desk lamp with an incandescent or a halogen bulb. That heat that it puts off, that's infrared light. You mentioned earlier that sun, it, some of the rays f- penetrate your body. That's the red, the infrared part of the sun. It can penetrate right through your skull. So a ha- simple hack you can do at the office, get a desk lamp with an incandescent bulb or halogen at home, swap out everything, go back to incandescent halogen. Do they
0: sell incandescents anymore?
1: They do. They're hard to find. Yeah. Um, you know, I hate to admit, I go to Walmart, but Walmart does sell them. <laughs> All right, and that's that's the one reason I'll go there. But you can't find them at Home Depot or Lowe's. Yeah, right, right. It's crazy that they, they phase them out.
0: For some reason, I felt like there was there was a law change or something. There was, um, yeah.
1: yeah. So, so under like, Obama, passed a law to phase out incandescent bulbs to make way for LEDs because of energy efficiency. So I think the intent was in the right place, but the problem is, is the companies making light bulbs don't understand how these frequencies of light impact our health.
0: Now, you mentioned something uh, as we were preparing for this about presenteeism versus absenteeism. And when we talk about blue light, um, I feel like this is a big thing. But tell me a little bit about presenteeism.
1: So presenteeism, that's... so, So let's start with absenteeism. That's when you wake up, you don't feel good, you call in sick for work. That's absenteeism. Presenteeism is when you wake up, you feel like crap, you go to work anyway, or you're just tired, you're just not up to snuff, so you're at work, but you're not productive. You're at work, but you're out of it. And when you look at these statistics from I forget the name of the company, some big HR analysis firm, but on average, employees are are nonproductive for 57.5 days each year. So that's almost three working months. Your employees at work, so if you're is a business including owner, weekends. This is huge, yeah,
0: including weekends.
1: It doesn't include weekends. No. Oh. that just includes. Um, just, lots of yeah, days. Yeah, lots of days. Fifty-seven days. So that's a that's a huge amount of work. You have employees at work. They're, they're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They're spending an hour in the bathroom, just to, you know, because they feel like crap. They don't want to be at the desk or whatever. <laughs> hiding. But,
0: they're hiding from from work.
1: But it, but it's a huge thing. So there are a number of factors. You mentioned before. You know, being hungover, and you know that used to be me for a number of years too, especially in, in my twenties and early thirties and stuff. But there are all these factors. And when you throw in blue light to the mix, it's just, it's another factor, right? And when you add everything up, we're at a point where, we're at a tipping point for health. And I just saw an article, there was some analysis from Blue Cross Blue Shield that millennials, there's something about when they turn 28, they're having all the health problems that Generation X was having in their 40s to 50s. So it's showing up, much earlier. Much, much earlier. Interesting. And millennials were born into blue light. They were born into cell phones. So people that are older, you have kind of a stronger foundation of health because you didn't have to contend with these different things when you were growing up. And young people, especially babies, uh, toddlers, are much more sensitive to these things. So when you take, take a step back and kind of look at everything going, that's going on, I feel blue light, and there's lots of science to, to back it up. It's not a conspiracy theory. There's a ton of published research. Uh, I get news alerts from Google all the time for, for blue light. They're, like Every week, there's a new research paper coming out on the effects, on the deleterious effects of blue light.
0: And this is, so the, the blue light comes from your phone. It comes from your fluorescent lights. It comes from uh, your television, I imagine.
1: Yeah, screens and energy-efficient lights. And they're everywhere. They're everywhere.
0: Now, what about, so you're showing up, you're not doing work. And blue light is the culprit. And I feel like we focused a lot on light. What about diet, fitness? Do they have this similar impact on your productivity? Do they have similar impact on your circadian rhythm? You know, I feel like you work out more then you're more inclined to go to sleep at an earlier time. You, you might make better eating choices. How do all three of those kind of work together?
1: Yeah, so you can offset a lot of this damage by having a better diet and by working out. So we all know people that work out and people that work out tend to be more productive than sedentary people that sit on their butt all day, right? So yeah, exercise is an awesome thing. If you wanna make it better instead of spending all your time exercising in a gym, go outside and exercise. That's how you can get more out of your exercise. Diet too. I used to have food coma every day after lunch. I'd usually have a sandwich or pasta for lunch. I didn't realize it, but I had a sensitivity to gluten. Not only that, but all those carbs were causing a blood sugar spike. I never made the connection. I had low dopamine. I did. I kept on doing the same thing over and over. And everyone I worked with did it too. Not everyone, but a majority of people I worked well, everyone
0: with. Everyone goes out. They get their sandwiches. They, they do whatever. Yeah. You come
1: back from lunch, just like ah, oh, you're just kind of. They bring stuck in pizza. In food <laughs> yeah, pizza. Yeah. Pizza at meetings. My so at my corporate job, just, just real quick. I spoke to the the woman who ordered food for the meetings, and I got her to have healthier options, things like salad, um, things like just a protein, not in a sandwich, um, because I finally made that connection. So your diet plays a huge role, and if you if you get stuck in that, you know daily food coma, cut out the carbs, stop eating bread, stop eating pasta, have a salad. Um, you don't want to. Use most dressings because most dressings, even at places like Whole Foods, they use canola oil, which is a brain bomb, very inflammatory. It's linked to, al- to uh, Alzheimer's disease. So you want to have healthy fats, things like olive oil, coconut oil, or just proteins. Have some chicken, some beef, some fish. Leave the carbs behind.
0: Now, a lot of this stuff, I feel like everybody hears this all of the time, but people don't make changes. right? They know what they're supposed to eat, really, but they're not going to really change it. Um You know what? They're still having their cereal for breakfast. They're still doing whatever. What are some steps that people can do in order to make this real? So you said before it's easy or it's simple. It's not necessarily easy, right? Getting up uh, to go out to watch the sunrise is going to be very painful for someone the first week that they do it. Is it really just a matter of finding, you know, five things that you could do or one thing that you could do, get that into a routine? What are some steps that people could do in order to make it stick?
1: Yeah, great question. Well, Jim, it's like with anything, you start with one or two things. You feel the benefits, uh, you keep doing it, it becomes a habit, then you add more things. So you don't wanna add five, six, seven new things at once because it becomes overwhelming. And when things are overwhelming, we don't wanna do them and we stop doing them. And we give up before we have an opportunity to realize the benefit from those things. So from today's conversation, pick one or two things that you think that pique your interest.
0: What's the biggest thing that was your impact that you would say, the biggest change that
1: you made? You're talking about when I had Lyme disease? Everything, yeah. Well, I did a lot of crazy things. I I was doing ice baths. Probably like the number one thing that helped me rapidly heal was I was doing full-body submersion in 50-degree water.
0: That's insane. Yeah. So when I hear full-body immersion in 50-degree water,
1: I'm like, I'm just not going to do that. I'm just not going to do that, <laughs> right? But I, Jim, you have to realize I was—I was at a point where I had been—I got so sick, and I was just—I kind of hit my rock bottom, and I just couldn't take it anymore. And I was willing to do anything, including soaking my body in ice water. Do you so. think
0: people need to hit rock bottom in order to start making changes? Because I feel like a lot of people know what they're supposed to do, but they're like,
1: eh, "It's not that bad." Some people do; some people don't. For me, you know, I—I I, kind of—I asked myself myself this all the time and for me i think i kind of had to because i was so stuck in my ways and i was and it happened kind of so slow for me where i kind of i was somewhat adapting to it and somewhat getting used to feeling like crap until you know you'll hit a certain point where things just kind of speed up yeah and it's like your oh shit moment like i I better take care of this or the shit's really going to hit the fan
0: and I feel like, and I got fortunate, you know, when I, as you're talking, I'm thinking about back to all the things, you know, when I was sitting in corporate, miserable, hung over probably four days out of the week or whatever it was. Um, but I didn't realize how bad I felt until I didn't feel bad. And that was, um, you know, I started training for a race or something. I cut back on the booze. I started eating right. I lost some pounds. Um, uh, and at the end of the race, I'm like, I feel amazing. And then I went back to what I was doing and that's just the way it was. <laughs> okay. But that feeling, that remembrance of, you know, I know what it feels like to be healthy now, but I didn't know beforehand. And so I don't really know if there is a way to drive that home to people to saying, like, if you're doing it, you're sitting in an office, you're not working out, you're not eating right, you're watching TV late at night and you're having to struggle to get up in the morning. You know, what are some triggers that people could say, you know what, this isn't the, this isn't normal. Or maybe it's normal, but it shouldn't be normal. Are there any triggers that you can think of for people to say, this isn't the way that I should be operating?
1: Yeah, well, I I would say look around you. Look look what's going on to other people. When I was in corporate America, the last company I worked for, Booz Allen Hamilton, I I worked with a couple people. Um, This one girl I worked with, she went in for a simple procedure, and that was the last time I ever saw her. She died in the hospital. Uh, There was a period, a three-year period when I went to three funerals of people in their 50s, and they didn't, they died from not taking care of themselves. So you have to, at some point, you have to ask yourself, is this normal? Is this something I'm willing to risk for myself? And the other side of it is you have to figure out your why. You know, we we both have children in our lives right now. We have young children, right? So for us, that's a huge why. You know, wanting to be around to see your child grow up. Right. And be
0: able to run around with your kid.
1: And be able to run around. And hopefully, when your kid has a kid, be able to run around with their kid as a grandparent. Because today, a lot of people aren't making it to that age. Or, you know, my son's, one of my son's grandfather, he's in chronic pain. He's trying to play with, with my son Jay, and it hurts him just to bend over to pick something up to hand, hand to his grandson. So you need, to, you need to kind of take a look down. You need to kind of project your life forward where you are right now, if you don't change, do you think things are going to miraculously get better or are they going to continue continue to gradually get worse? They're
0: going to get worse. They're going to get worse, 100%. <laughs> I'll save everyone that, that exercise. It's going to get worse unless you focus on it. Um, now, so, so talk about your day then. So let's say, I would say to someone who has difficulty getting up in the morning, if you're not getting up in the morning, that's probably a good place to start go to bed earlier or something like that. Um, you know, are there other things that, you know, I imagine you're kind of anti-technology a little bit at home, um, turn off the lights at night, switch out the lights, whatever it is. What are some other things for your, for your personal situation that that other people can learn from?
1: Yeah. Well, I used to be a a night owl for 20 years of my life. I loved, because, you know because I was dragging all day I'd come home and all of a sudden it'd be around seven eight at night I'd get a surge of energy and I would stay up watching TV or just you know I used to be into DJing and maybe I'd be doing that but you know I'd stay up till 11 12 during the week and on the weekends I'd be up till two three four in the morning so to other people out there you know there's this BS that there are different chronotypes that there are well, that was going to be my next question yeah night owls that's complete BS okay your chronotype is you're evolved to adapt to the light cycles of the sun, okay? I was a night night owl for 20 plus years. I'm now a morning lark.
0: So for someone who says that they're a night owl, you're just going to tell them, no, you're not, right? It's you just need to figure out the way to become a morning lark. Is that?
1: Yeah, and that's, that's probably one of the top things I work on with my clients because until you fix your sleep, you're not going to get better because when you sleep, that's when you regenerate. When you don't regenerate, you degenerate. That's aging. You speed up aging by not getting quality sleep. So right there, that should be incentive for most people because no one wants to get old, right? Yeah. Everyone's always looking for that fountain of youth. The fountain of youth is sleep. It's in your that's, bed. That's, that's, what, that's one of the keys. So in the beginning, for some people, it's easier just to suck it up and get up earlier in the morning than trying to go to bed earlier because then you're going to be a little bit more tired when it gets later. So get, you know, if you're very serious about this, set your alarm. Get up. Watch the sunrise. Get as much morning sun as you can because you also another thing you build is melatonin. Melatonin is what gets you into a deep sleep. So if you can if you can have the discipline to do that for maybe a, a week, and just kind of slowly ratchet back your bedtime. So if you're going to bed at midnight, turn it back to eleven forty-five or eleven thirty. Do that for a couple days, and just keep on going, decreasing by fifteen to thirty minutes. And if you can get to 10, 10 o'clock. That two hours, like I said, it's going to make a huge, huge difference. Yeah, you can have the same amount of sleep, but the quality is going to be better. If you're waking up, if you don't feel rested, and you know sometimes it does take me a, a few minutes to get going too, but if you know you wake up and 30 minutes later you're still like kind of struggling and, and you need your coffee before you can function, guess what? You're not sleeping well. And do we you drink coffee? Sleep well. I do, but I don't need to drink it. I drink it for the taste. All right. And lots of times I'll, I'll, I don't drink it every day. I'll probably have it three, four days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fast on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You don't
0: eat on Tuesdays and Thursdays.
1: I, I skip breakfast or, or I skip dinner. Oh, got it. But I drink. I put cream in my coffee. I'm not a fan of black coffee. So you can drink black coffee when you fast, but cream is a no-no. Yeah. So I just skip coffee on those days. Huh. So, but yeah, I, I used to need my coffee in the morning. I used to drink probably six, seven cups yeah, of coffee, shitty office coffee. That's right. It's, it's tastier
0: than water. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's there's a good coffee place I, I get my coffee from, and I get it because I enjoy the taste of the coffee, not because I need that boost from caffeine. And now if I have coffee after 11, that keeps me up at night. I'm very yeah. sensitive to caffeine. Yeah, I wasn't before because I was so low on my energy. But once you kind of clear your body of that stuff and adapt to your natural cycles, you might find that you're super sensitive some of these things that you used to be kind of. A and that's day.
0: when I, when I think about, you know, changing or focusing on you and your circadian rhythm, your body will tell you what you're actually craving. So I know like I crave bread. You give me French bread, forget it. I'm going to eat the whole loaf. But when I cut it out, I feel much better when I'm just not eating bread or people who, who give up caffeine or alcohol and how much they feel, you know, they just completely change the way that they operate. Um, I feel like that's part of your diet to focus on listening to what your your body and your circadian rhythm are telling you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and all those all those things you mentioned, Jim, they're all addictions. So the same uh, like neurons in your brain that go off when you when a person does an opiate like heroin or something, those same uh, neurons fire when you have gluten. They're called gluteomorphines. So all these things all these things are addictions. What drives addictions? Low dopamine. What destroys our dopamine? Blue light. How do we increase our dopamine? Sunshine. Hanging out with better quality people. One of the biggest uh, stealers of your dopamine is hanging out with people that bring you down. So cut those people out of your life. There are some people that you know, we just we can't, but there are plenty of people that either we, we work with them or we just feel obligated to keep them in our lives. They're robbing you of dopamine.
0: It is. And, I mean, and, and we talk a lot about choice you have a choice. on who you, I mean, even if it's your family, if they're driving you down, it's like, you have that choice, right? Even though like we want family around, we want, you know, family supposed to be a good thing, but you can choose when you spend time with these types of people. And, you know, is this a good person to be around today, whether it's a friend or a coworker or anything?
1: Absolutely. A hundred percent. So why do you want to do that? So you have healthy dopamine levels so you can make better choices. So you don't have that cravings So you don't have the craving for bread or for alcohol. I was a weekend alcohol for 20 plus years. I didn't realize it. When I found out I had Lyme and I got put on all these antibiotics, my doctor told me I couldn't drink with antibiotics. I was like, You mean I can't get drunk? What the hell does that mean? You can't drink. I'm like, but I can have a glass or two, right? He's like, No, you can't drink at all. (laughs) And I was like, I'd be driving home from work gym and my mouth was on Fridays watering. Because, you know, Fridays and Saturdays, I party. During the week, yeah. I didn't really drink. I, I, I worked hard. But um, that was an addiction, and I didn't even realize it.
0: You know what I was fascinated with? How many people don't drink? There is a huge community of people that just don't drink, which is just – I I was very surprised. Growing up as an Irish guy in New York and Philadelphia and D.C., it was uh, – that
1: was just. They, they, they are they are big drinking towns for sure. They are, yeah. and that that was the culture. I mean, if you're in corporate America, if you're in a big city, yeah, drinking is part of the culture, and it's so normalized that we think getting totally shit canned on Friday and Saturday night is completely normal. And it destroys so your accepting. sleep
0: for the rest of the week.
1: It destroys your sleep. It destroys so many things. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, this is. Uh I feel like this is a tip of the iceberg type of conversation. I feel like all of this stuff that goes together, um, you could go down a rabbit hole very quickly in terms of dopamine and, and the circadian rhythm and sleep and what are you eating and, and all that stuff. So, uh, But I feel like you just gave valuable, very valuable information for people to at least investigate. Because it's, it's, and what I tell people all the time is really focusing on you as number one so that you could be the best for other people. Yeah. And that is, that. that is your circadian rhythm is really where to start and it's being healthy and, and making the good choices and being the person that someone else wants to have one of their five around, you know, saying like this person makes me better. Right. Yeah. hundred um, percent. And I guess that's a good reflective question for people is, you know, who would pick you to be one of their, one of their five. Um, yeah. How can people find you? Let's plug you, and how can they learn more about you?
1: So I post, you know, my website is journeytooptimalhealth.com. It's kind of out of date. I do most of my more um, up-to-date content on Facebook, so you can follow me on Facebook under Nathan Walls or my Journey to Optimal Health Facebook page. I'm on LinkedIn. I've recently been been, uh, posting more information on LinkedIn, Kind of dipping my toe in the water over there. There you go. Yep. And a little bit on Instagram and, and YouTube as well. So if you just go to any of those, uh, on YouTube it's Nathan Walls. On Instagram is Journey to Optimal Health.
0: And we'll um, we'll link to all of those on on the website. We always end each podcast with a book recommendation. What do you have for uh, for our listeners today?
1: Uh, so one of my favorite books, and this is a big part of my coaching program, it's called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Hmm. Dr. Joe Dispenza. So it's all about your self-image and learning how to identify your limiting beliefs that are holding you back. Because most of us, we have good intentions. We want to do different things. We make some positive changes, something stressful happens, and what happens? We go back to our default, right? That's a self-image thing. So in this book, he teaches you how to identify those those beliefs and create new beliefs aligned with the person that you want to be. And that's really the key for long change, and setting you're up, setting yourself up for long-term personal growth.
0: That's interesting, and that you're right because you know a person's got to commit to it in order to uh, in order to get there. So, yeah, that's great, Nathan. Uh, thank you. Um, this is valuable for all of the people listening. Um, I will link to all of your information. More information on Nathan will be on bellwetherhub.com. Uh, visit us on the website. We'll have some events coming up as well. Uh, Nathan, thank you for your wisdom and your your information. We really appreciate it.
1: Hey, my pleasure, Jim. Thanks so much.
0: All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back soon. Thank you so much for listening. Now, do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon.